past few weeks during the message series, I encourage you to do a few things. One is give God your first five, and right? That's, that's focusing on God first thing in the morning so we're not distracted by what he's done for us during the day, which we know will be wonderful. But to really say, God, this day is yours. And as long as I woke up and have breath in my lungs, this day belongs to you, and I'm thankful. And then to find a few words from scripture that you can have at your ready in case of times of needs. And, and to take a, a look at these scriptures and others, and read them in context, right? Don't just read the one or two verses familiar with, but kind of read the story of what, what's happening and why that's important. And maybe the verse on each side too, to hear the rest of the story as we kind of joked. And as I was taking my own advice, I was, I was needing to lean pretty hard on God's direction and in the area of forgiveness. And I, I know what scripture says, and, and I, I speak it here often because I speak about things I need to hear. And, and I... We'll talk about some of these in a moment, but I needed to do a little bigger, bigger deeping, deeper digging. Thank you for your forgiveness. Uh, needed to dig a little deeper to hear the context of this because I know the Bible doesn't contradict itself when you read it and understand what it's saying. So there were some things that were that I needed to kind of dig a little deeper on. And if we're honest, despite our best efforts or or at least what we know to be the right way, we tend to, to withhold forgiveness sometimes, right? And we may be very quick, even a little proud, because we handled the situation so nobly, right? That person didn't deserve it, but I gave them grace. Someone rushed ahead of you in a parking spot. Okay. Someone bumps you slightly as they walk by, and they politely say, excuse me. Well, those are easy things to forgive, right? right? But what about this big stuff? The things you cannot forget are the things maybe you shouldn't forget. And there are some things like that. You will notice that I changed the word... Instead of saying forgive, I'm saying forget because we are called to forgive. But there are things that we cannot forget because they're relatively traumatic. There are things that you should not forget because they protect you to some degree. And there's a cliche to forgive and forget, and and that's certainly what God does. Psalm 103.12 reads, as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Now think about that. That is infinite, as far as the east is from the west. That is how much God has removed from us our transgressions, the things that we need forgiveness from him. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. These are God's words. It says, for my own sake, and remember your sins no more. Truly forgives and forgets. And Paul reminds us, the early Christians in the book of Hebrews 10, 17, he, he repeats that. He says, he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Hebrews 8, 12, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. God's own word tells us that he forgives and he forgets. We know that we should strive to be like him. And I want to point out that these promises that I read, a lot of them are found in, in, in Psalm and Isaiah. This is Old Testament. And, and Jesus has not yet come yet to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, we know God is good. We know God is unchanging. So, so this says that since the moment that he created us, man, us mankind, he has wanted a deep and personal relationship with us. And that requires forgiveness because we are not perfect. He knows that anger and fear and resentment hinder a relationship. And he certainly does not want anything between us and him. And he certainly does not want anything between us, each other, because he's wired us, he has created us to seek a relationship with him and with others. We call that fellowship. 
But listen to Jesus' own words found in Matthew 5, 23 through 24. It says, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. This is how incredibly important this is. God tells you, I want your worship. He goes, but stop. Take a time out. If you've got something with someone else or they have something against you, stop and go take care of that and then come back and I'll accept your gift. He knows that you do not have as much room in your heart to love others or yourself or even him if you have bitterness taking up space. And we, we went really deep into this as we studied you know, making space as a part of our, our Lenten series. And I wanna pause and share a video testimony with you Prior to the start of the service, I played a song by a Christian artist by the name of Matthew West. Now, this man is truly a storyteller. His lyrics tell stories, and I love it. And his songs aren't just based on good music, but they are good teaching. But I want to share a few, a few words from the, the song that, that we listened to before service. The song's called Forgiveness, and it says, It's the hardest thing to give away, and the last thing on your mind today. It always goes to those who don't deserve. It's the opposite of how you feel when the pain they cause is just too real, takes everything you have to say the word forgiveness. It flies in the face of all your pride. It moves away the mad inside. It's always anger's own worst enemy. Think about that. Even when the jury and the judge say you've got a right to hold a judge, it's the whisper in your ear saying set it free, forgiveness. Wow. But let's watch this video as he's telling a little bit of the story about the song he wrote. A woman named Renee Napier wrote to me from Florida and she shared with me about how she has a mission in her life that she never would have chosen for herself. And she's been on a journey, um, stepping out of the darkness of bitterness and anger and into the light of forgiveness. Um, she's been asked to do the impossible and the reason she's been asked to do the impossible is because her 20 year old daughter was driving home from the beach one night in Florida when her car was struck by a drunk driver. Uh, the drunk driver was a 24-year-old kid named Eric, who by all accounts was actually a really great kid. Um, but he was out and made some bad decisions one night and for the first time got behind the wheel of his car drunk. Uh, Eric took the uh, lives of both Renee's daughter and her daughter's best friend. Both girls died that night. And Eric, um, his life came to a screeching halt. Renee's life came to a screeching halt. Everybody involved was in shock. Eric was sentenced to 22 years in prison uh, because of the crime he committed. And here's this grieving mother left to somehow try and pick up the pieces of life after she's had to do what no parent should ever have to do, say goodbye to her child. She said she was in the darkest place that she'd ever been in her life. Um, she was filled with hatred and anger towards the man who was behind bars. And any one of us on the outside could look at that story and say, well, I, I understand that. I get that. In fact, when I read her story, I thought about my two little girls, you know, and the first thought I had is if anybody ever tried to harm my children, I don't know that I would have it in me to forgive as God commands us to forgive. And yet, as the months uh, began to pile up, she felt like God was putting it on her heart that uh, she was the one, even though he was behind bars, she was the one being held prisoner. And... Uh, God just began to remind her, hey, I did the impossible and forgave you. I sent my son for you. Now, if you want to be free, you need to go and forgive this man. So she reached out to Eric behind bars and said, hey, I serve a God who commands me to forgive. 
So I want you to know that I, I'm setting it free. I'm forgiving you. More importantly, I want you to know that um, God can forgive you too. Little did she know that that would um, change that young man's life. And behind bars, this prisoner, Eric, accepted Jesus into his heart as his own personal savior. A powerful story of what forgiveness can do. The story didn't end there, though. Renee began to develop an unlikely friendship with this young man. And her whole family began to embrace this young man. And now they feel like they lost a daughter, but strangely they've gained a son. Renee worked with the courts in Florida and had his sentence cut in half from 22 years to 11 years. At the time I was writing this song, I had no idea that this was going on. So I'm writing these, these songs about setting a prisoner free. And little did I know that this November, Eric is going to be released from prison. And he'll be standing side by side with Renee. Renee goes around the country and shares at schools about the dangers of drunk driving. Now Eric's going to be out of prison standing next to her. She said they're not just going to share about the dangers of drunk driving anymore, but also about the power of forgiveness. I'll sing that last verse again. And uh, these words took on new significance when I found out that Eric was free and Renee was free. It'll clear the bitterness away. It can even set a prisoner free. There is no end to what its power can do. So let it go and be amazed by what you see through eyes of grace. The prisoner that it really frees is you. Forgiveness. It's powerful, and that's one of a three-part video. And, and later, um, in another part, he gets to meet the mother and, and attend one of these sessions where uh, this young man spoke alongside her. And I love that they're not speaking only about the dangers of drunk driving, but the power of forgiveness. That's the rest of that story. And just like that, we take time uh, to be familiar with our scripture in context, but there's, there's more to the story, just like there was more to the song. And I know that I hold resentment in my heart and I have moments and people in my past that I feel justified in not forgiving. And, and I read verses like Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Or Matthew 6.14, Jesus' own words. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Do you hear the theme? Forgive as he forgave you. Okay. And we also know Matthew 18. This one's convicting. Peter came to Jesus and says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or her sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. And I'm sure Peter was thinking that's, that's an exorbitant number. <laughs> really? Up to seven times? It's ridiculous. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Another translation say seven times seven or 700. He uses different numbers, but they all mean exponentially more than you think your limit of forgiveness is. And Jesus is saying, that's how my father forgives you. Do it just like that. And I read these words and I think, but, but that person really wronged me. And maybe you can recognize some of these. Maybe you've thought these yourself, but they got away with it, right? They do not deserve forgiveness or did not even know or own what they did. And then I stop and listen. I hear God's answer. He says, yes, they wronged you, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't be loved. Or they got away with it. They said, no, they didn't get away with it. 
even if they don't own it. He says, I saw what happened and I see how you're responding to what happened. Or it is not for you to decide who deserves forgiveness. I am the judge. And then he reminds me of the Apostle Paul's words found in Romans 12, 18. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. But what about this notion of forgiving, forgetting? It is certainly what God has done, and we're thankful that he does. And we're reminded to forgive without limit to the number of times, yet, yet Jesus provides us instructions from Matthew 18, 15 through 17. It says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point it out, their fault, just between the two of you. And he's talking specifically in this case about things within the church, but, but it really applies to relationships. And he says, if they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And that's, that's referring back to the Old Testament law. And it says, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now that may sound a little confusing, so let's take it apart. It says, point out their fault just between the two of you. To do anything more different is gossip. Involve others only necessary and keep it between that group. And it says, if they do not come around, then treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. Now, this just means disassociate with them. That doesn't mean, you know, uh, anything beyond that. Because if you listen to the, the, the message, which is a paraphrase, that same verse 17. So this is Matthew 18, verse 17. And the, and the message says, offer again God's forgiving love. Right? What that also means, if you go back, it means these pagans, these tax collectors, these unlovables, these undesirables, whatever you want to call them. You still have to love them, even if you don't associate with them. We should try, try hard to, to forgive as God has forgiven us. And that is clearly the commandment. And I've often spoken on this topic on Sunday mornings. And I freely confess it to you that there are places in my life I need to apply this better. And it's funny how God will reveal things to you in unexpected ways. Not ha-ha funny, ironic funny. But I was on a webinar a few weeks ago on this thing called soul repair, and I actually shared a little bit about it this morning. Um, soul repair is, was intended to be to deal with soldiers returning from war who had, by their order or action, done or witnessed or been exposed to things that they believed to be morally wrong. And usually in times of war, that happens, right? There's shooting, there's... You know, there's atrocities you see. You, you see young families or children or the elderly and you want to help them, but you have to move on. And these are horrible things for people to have to, to deal with, especially on the backside, these moral injuries, they call them. But I was on this webinar and this panel was a Navy chaplain, a rabbi, because this is not a, a Christian-only problem, a biblical scholar. And that's, it was fascinating. This lady, not in a session, but before, took apart the book of Lamentations. I mean, like, like, analyze it, you know. Um, a Christian moderator and a former soldier. And it was very clear when the soldier spoke, I could hear the anger in his voice as he was describing what he had done a witness while serving in Afghanistan. Now, he as a Christian was both troubled and traumatized because he was acting contrary to what he knew in his heart and soul to be right and true. But what struck me, he repeatedly said, how can I reconcile with these people? I, I, I can't go back there and, and say I'm sorry or, or, or fix that. He goes, I, I can't. And that stuck with me almost to the point that I could not focus on anything else. 
Because I dove into God's word because I knew that this was a sticking point for my own issues. And I, I want to be obedient to God's word and forgive, but I cannot, should not, or, or do not want to be anywhere near these people, these situations, right? I've disassociated like I've been told to do. So how do I reconcile? You know, and the image on the screen captures this for me. The vase has been destroyed, right? How do I put these pieces back together to make my life whole like it was before? And the soldier was saying the same thing. How do I go back to normal? How do I go back to normal? And the truth is, you can't and you shouldn't. Just as going to, you know, this is just going to, to lead to discouragement and some negative self-talk. You're saying, I'm not a good Christian because I can't get back to normal. I can't undo or unsee these things. But the truth is you cannot alter the past, but you can alter the weight it has on your life. Or in the case of even some of these things we talked about this morning, you can have it redirect your life in a way that's positive. A couple of weeks ago, I, I shared a story and, and I kind of updated it for the times. It was a man and his, and his young son and helping a lady with her shopping cart. The original story goes something like this. It was two monks walking down a road and a, a carriage pulled up on this muddy road and the door opened and a woman just very nicely dressed looked out and kind of scoffed at the mud and, and the monk went over and, and kind of gave her her back and she hopped on and he took her to the, the edge of the street out of the mud and, and set her down and she almost pushed him away, the original story goes. And the, the older monk, the young monk, just continued to walk about their way. And a couple hours later, the younger one says, you know, this has been bothering me. He says, you helped that lady out of the kind of your heart. And she, not only did she not thank you, but she just kind of shoved you away and dismissed you. And he looked and he said, you know what? I put that lady down hours ago. Why are you still carrying her? Right? That's what this stuff does. And I'm afraid that as the number of, of these relatively small moments are allowed to pile up in our lives, we'll have a diminished capacity to accept people as good. Think about that. Do not let these little things pile up to the point that you have trouble accepting that people are good. And we know what I'm talking about. We start to go, where are the good in this? Where are the good people? Where, where is all that left? So don't let cynicism or judgment live rent-free in your heart or mind because these are taking up valuable real estate. Now, the title's message is that thing we do wrong. And I believe we do forgiveness wrong. We, we try so hard to forgive and forget. Then we try to make everything just like it was before, like these vases on the screen. You know, they're, okay, they may be back, in, but you want to put that on your mantle? You want to trust your flowers and your water in, in that? That's about how I take things, too. We cannot do that any more than we can put the vase back together and call the whole vase when, in fact, it is not. However, we can shift our focus from reconciliation to recreation or reconstruction. To carry the broken glass analogy a little further, would you flip that slide again? We can make it into something beautiful. No? For those listening online, there's a stained glass Royals and Chiefs logo. Go ahead and skip. It was worth a try. Here is a beautiful stained glass window. This is actually in the Methodist Church in Kansas City. Um, and these are broken pieces of glass, right? They, they may have been made and broken intentionally to make this artwork, but the truth is they were something else that was shattered and put together to make something beautiful. And I think it's just appropriate that it, this, this stained glass mural is, is of Jesus. Here's the truth about forgiveness. We are to do it. 
right? And we are to do it repeatedly. That's, that's commandment. And that does not necessarily mean reconciliation with the person. This may or may not be possible or even advisable. It does not mean reconciliation within ourselves, or it does mean accept, uh, reconciliation within ourselves. That's acceptance and grace for ourselves. This soldier needed to hear that he is not a bad person for that. He may have done or seen bad things, but he was beating himself up and that was holding him back for the grace that God had intended for him. And, and, and he certainly doesn't mean that you shouldn't reconcile with God. Confess the struggle. Confess the struggle and accept God's assistance in accepting that grace. And the other thing is we are to keep our eyes on him and let him work. To say that someone cannot change is to say that we, we don't have enough faith in what God can do, right? We talked about this. To commit your life, to accept Jesus as your Savior, to allow the Holy Spirit in, changes your life. It is undeniable. You can't help but be changed when that happens. So to say that God can't change another person or another situation or even yourself is to say, I don't have faith in that. And that's not true. Christianity teaches that the most hardened sinner, including those who hate and abhor God and God's laws, are not outside the reach of his grace. Not a single person, no matter how much they think they hate or deny him, are outside of his grace. Saul, who was a persecutor of the church and a murderer of Christians, was radically converted by an act of grace and mercy while he was utterly threatening against God and his followers. If God can continue to reach out to someone like that, not only reach out to him, but make something of him, what is it, 17 Bible, uh, books of the Bible are written by the Apostle Paul, this man, this horrible man who, who was on his way to persecute Christians. And God used him to make more Christians later. He smashed that vase and he repositioned it into something beautiful. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth to you not perceive it. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the deserts. Now this can be both literal and figurative. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this is from our friend Paul. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Why would you withhold forgiveness from anyone or yourself? That is the new that is coming. Don't worry about the reconciliation if it's not possible or unadvisable. Make it a reconstruction, a recreation. Jesus' death on the cross is salvation for our sins, and I shared this earlier, but it's not deliverance from worldly troubles. There will be things that test our faith, test our patience, test our love in others. But we saw this video that Matthew West recorded. We heard the story of, of this mother and, and the loss of this, her daughter and how hard that would be. Even Matthew West was saying, I have two daughters of my own, how hard that would be. I know people in this room have had loss of their children in similar ways. So you say, what do I do with this anger? And all we can do is turn to the Bible. And what's nice about this story is Jesus and God, they've been there. God lost his son, right? His son was murdered on our behalf and he loves us and he forgave us. And that's why we have the relationship. So I say, what do you do with this anger? You give it to him. He's got big, big shoulders. 
you know, you walk into some places and they say, leave your problems at the door, right? Come here, you're on vacation, leave your problems at the door. This is the one place where saying, please bring your problems. Bring them here and leave them right here. And in a few minutes, we're gonna, we're gonna have communion and, and we're gonna listen to a song, come to the table because this table was made for people like us. The hurting, the lost, the lost that have been found. Everyone is invited to this table. And that's why I love that we celebrate open communion. There's no secret password. There's no handshake. There's no contribution that needs to be made. He said, all are invited. That's what's wonderful about Christianity is its inclusiveness. It's inclusiveness. All are welcome. Not only are they welcome, they're encouraged. So let's do our part and make sure we're inviting and encouraging people to have that kind of relationship with them. And that starts with us. Let's pray. God, life is wonderful, but it's certainly not always easy. And there are certain things that we just try so hard at doing. We try to love everybody, but darn it if they don't make it hard. <laughs> Lord, we, we know we should forgive people, but sometimes we get in our own way. Lord, your message isn't to forgive and forget. Your message is to do what you did, which is to Take that horrible situation, whatever it is, no matter how bad it feels, and make it into something wonderful. Whether it's a, a powerful testimony of healing, of grace, of forgiveness, or just how we survived an uncomfortable situation or relationship and learned to rely more and more on you. Father, as we pause on this Sunday morning and we recognize in, in the symbolism and the of, of communion, that last supper when, when Jesus surrounded by his disciples, even the one who betrayed him. And he said, I'm going to give my body for you. And he said, I'm going to pour my blood. It's going to spill for you. And this blood will be the new covenant. And because of that wonderful gift, because of that loss, and because of that enormous amount of forgiveness that has been shown, we can come to this table freely and boldly. Lord, we thank you for your presence here. Amen.